Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me, as always, is my producer, Kevin Black. And joining me in the guest chair today, coming back, making a return to the Draft Deeper Podcast, is I'm making a return to my own freaking podcast. I was off all last week. I'm recording this on Monday, July 4th. I was away. I was out of the area. I was doing some very important things, as I tweeted out, so I'm glad that that much is behind me, and then we can I can move forward. I am now engaged to my best friend, so that is definitely an awesome feeling to have her, and I can move forward from the proposal now, and I can jump back into the basketball world and get back to grinding and, and, and what I love to do in this space, and there's nobody better to join me to break down everything that happened while I was out of the area because it's a lot. We got to break down some free agency stuff. We got to break down some trades and we have to look forward to the summer league sicko conversation. If I use the word sicko, that means Maxwell from the no Silas collective is joining me for a podcast. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. I am so glad to be here. Congrats on the engagement, by the Thank way. Thank you. Um, I am disappointed. You said that you're engaged to your best friend. I was hoping I was your best friend. I understand <laughs> if you're picking her over me. I get it. Uh, I guess I'm just a little lower in the hierarchy than I thought, but we're going <laughs> to, we're going to put that behind us. We're going to still have a good podcast and yeah, there's just so much to discuss. I am, I'm really excited for this one. So I was originally going to do two separate podcast releases this week, but Maxwell wanted to hop on with me and we're, we're going to give you a twofer in one episode. We're going to cover, as I said, we're going to cover the free agency updates up to this point. We're going to cover some trades that happen. And then we're going to do, if you listen to Zach Lowe's podcast, he does this all the time where he comes up with his five most interesting fill in the blank. And we're going to do that with summer league squads. I've prepared a list. Maxwell's prepared a list. We don't know which teams are on each other's list, but we're going to break down the five summer league rosters that interest us the most. I have some honorable mentions. I'm sure we're going to hit on, you know, virtually every interesting team, but we wanted to do the podcast that way to, to spice it up a little bit. That way we're going into this. We don't know what we're talking about and, and what's going to happen. But Maxwell, what we do know happened is bombshell last week before the moratorium period, even technically opened on Thursday at six Eastern, we get the Woj bomb. Kevin Durant has requested a trade out of Brooklyn and we would not be a basketball podcast or a basketball platform as no ceilings is without discussing this, because it really is a seismic shift and a seismic movement for the NBA overall. When you have a superstar of Kevin Durant's magnitude asking out, right? Like it, it, I think LeBron James is probably one or two rungs up the pecking order, but Kevin Durant's like right there in terms of if something's going to break the league, and send social media and everybody ajar, it's it's going to be when somebody like Kevin Durant requests a trade. So, Maxwell, mm-hmm. your your first reactions when you saw the Woj bomb and you're like, oh, my God, is this actually happening? Um, I was surprised, but I don't think I was completely in shock. Um, I, th- I think it was a distinct possibility dating back to when Harden asked for a trade um the way that everything went down this year with Kyrie not playing half of the regular season games it seemed like tensions were high 
and it was just a weirdly built team. Like it was a team that had a lot of legitimate NBA players on it, but not like great, reliable playoff starters and rotation players that made sense together as a cohesive unit. And I, I don't know, you, you lose four zero in the first round and those first two games were close, but it, it was just clear that they do not have a championship roster construction. And even with whatever the Ben Simmons situation is going to be going forward, it just didn't seem like the happiness was there to wait yeah. out any potential moves that could help you get over the hump because like the Royce O'Neal deal in a vacuum is like a, a fine <laughs> trade to be like, we're going to trade, you know, first round pick, get this solid play. And I, I, I feel like people are being pretty hard on Rose Royce O'Neal because of like one bad playoff series. Um, but the, he like, he's a guy who makes sense with their roster construction, but it just feels like they're so little too far away. I'm glad you brought up so, somebody had to bring up the Rosa Neal trade because somebody had to mm-hmm. make the reference to the greatest <laughs> what the hell is going on in Utah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, shout out to Brian Woodhorse. You gave everyone meme content for the next like six months. Now everybody's armed and ready and, and it's off to the races. So thank you, Wendy, for, as always, for providing us with some epic content, regardless of what it looks like. But yeah, I, I, I think Maxwell... It's I, I literally have on my outline the very first point that I wanted to go through. I, I'm not even going to spend a too, too much time on it, to, to be honest. I, I have written down, how did this happen in mm-hmm. Brooklyn? We know how this happened. You brought up some of the details, but I, I think just the one point that we need to hammer home before we get into what does this mean for everybody involved is you, you, you referenced it when you said about the happiness wasn't there. The chemistry wasn't there. When you're trying to compete for a championship, you need to build a team. And that means cohesion on all fronts, not just what makes sense on the basketball court from a schematic standpoint, but from a chemistry standpoint, do all of these people want to be here? Is everybody aligned under the same roof fighting for the same goal? Are the players aligned with the coach who's aligned with the front office, who's aligned with the owner? Are all of those things in place? And clearly in Brooklyn, I think everyone kind of sort of had a little bit of a different agenda, right? Like like mm-hmm. Joe Sai, Joe Sai clearly signed off on, listen, we're going to pay whatever money it takes. We're going to use whatever assets we can. We're going to try to build this mega team that can contend for a title and ultimately win. And Sean Marks was like, okay, I'm going to do the best with what I have given Joe size permission to go accomplish this goal. And then Steve Nash was brought in as the head coach. He's just trying to keep the peace, play peacemaker. I don't even know how much he really got to work with some of these guys individually and a lot of the basketball stuff. I, I, I have to assume, and again, we, we don't know this. It's not like we're around the organization every day, mm-hmm. but I have to assume that, that a lot of his job ended up being some, some handholding and some relationship building. And that's really the majority of what his job ended up being, taking him away from some of the coaching duties. And then we obviously know what happened with the player interactions or lack thereof uh, for with, with Kyrie Irving with James Harden and then ultimately I think Kevin Durant's just like screw this I've had enough and quite frankly I don't blame him and I know that some of the narrative around KD is that oh he's he's running away from another team he doesn't want any leadership responsibilities blah 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 blah, blah. well I, I I get that but I don't I don't see it that way 
from, from, from Kevin Durant's point of view. I see it as somebody who he stuck through thick and thin. He came to Brooklyn because Kyrie had ultimately pulled him in that direction. They didn't go sign with the Knicks. They signed with the Nets. And he tried to team up with one of his good friends and make it work from a friendship standpoint on the basketball court. But basketball is also a business, man. It's not, it's not just about, oh, we're, we're best friends. We're going to make this work. It's what makes sense and how do you get along with people from that business standpoint and how do you get along with them and how can you make it work on the court? It's not only about being buddy-buddy when it comes to chemistry. It's also about understanding what needs to be done and being aligned for the same goal from a business standpoint. And that, that it never happened in Brooklyn. So now we're here. We have to live with the results of an epic, epic collapse. I mean, this is within two years. We're talking about everybody pretty much being gone. And we'll, we'll get to some Kevin Durant trade proposals in a second. I have a bunch written down, and I'll be very curious to get your thoughts about some of them or if you just want to go a few different directions with some trade proposals. But, I mean, the, the simplest domino I think that's going to fall, Which, but as of us recording this podcast, the domino actually hasn't fallen yet. I'm a little shocked that Kyrie Irving is still on the team. He opted into his option, but he's going to be on his way out. And everybody's talking about him going to the Lakers, like a potential package for a Kyrie trade to the Lakers would be the Kyrie Russell swap, which is being talked about, which is that that is hysterical in and of itself. It's, that part it, of it's hysterical. It is like the funniest trade idea <laughs> in the history of the NBA. <laughs> Kevin Durant's coming back in with, with, with Russell Westbrook. Go away, never mind. Kevin Durant's on his way back out again for Russell Westbrook. That makes it even funnier. But it would be essentially be Russell uh, talking about some 2027 and or 2029 first round picks um, for Irving. And then obviously one of Joe Harris or Seth Curry would have to go out the door. I would imagine uh, Joe Harris would be the guy to go out that door, not necessarily Seth Curry. Um, th- there's different ways that that trade can, can work, but ultimately it's about Kyrie going to the Lakers to pair up with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Maxwell. I- I'm assuming this is going to be a really simple answer from you. Like I-, I don't see Kyrie really making a difference for the Lakers at the end of the day, they still don't have depth. They still don't have a full roster and they're still not going to be able to guard anybody. So I don't, I don't really know what difference that would make for the Lakers and I don't even know if Kyrie's definitely going to be happy going out there. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what's going to make Kyrie fully happy and and being on the basketball court at this point anyway. So like, I, I, I guess you're, you're getting off Russell Westbrook, but I don't really see you getting back as much as people would like to think of Kyrie going there in, in return. Um. Okay. So here's my whole thing with Brooklyn and it goes back to a tweet that I saw from our, our own Corey Tillipa the other day. Should Brooklyn just like say no, at least for now, to to Kevin Durant in the trade request? Because the, the headline is that he is asking for a trade, not that he has demanded a trade, not that he will hold out or not show up or anything like that. I don't think that he's the type of guy to sit, you know, sit out or hold out. Or I just I just think he cares too much about playing basketball and like proving that he's still one of the best. And then on the Kyrie front, I know that we just went through this whole thing where apparently they, they reached around the league and nobody had any interest in Kyrie and whatever. I still just Kyrie Irving as a basketball player is worth so much more than Talon Horton Tucker, that stupid 2027 <laughs> first round pick that we hear all about and Russell Westbrook. Like there, there has to be better value and it might not be there right now. 
I will give you that. If, if the interest is that low, maybe right now there's not, but I can't imagine that by the trade deadline, some team won't think, you know what, maybe if we just had Kyrie Irving, that could put us over the top. So like that Lakers deal to me, I, I couldn't do it. Like oh, I, it's shit. It's, I it's could not shit. stomach that. Yeah, I, agree. I can't pull the trigger on that. So I, I I'd really just try to stand pet as much as possible. If things become combustible, then, then you deal with it. But I, I am more than comfortable just waiting this out if I'm Brooklyn, but particularly with the Kyrie thing. Like, I, I just think his value is going to be too high as far as him helping the Lakers. I mean, he can't hurt. Like this is a team that did not make the play in. So I think adding Kyrie, just getting a little bit more dynamism and just getting, I, I feel so bad because Westbrook, has been so great for so long, but I do think having him out the door would just help. It's going to be more spacing on offense. It's a more reliable, consistent creator. It's someone else who can make tough shots in the mid range, which is an area where Westbrook's really just seen his game kind of fall apart. Um, I mean, defensively, it's not doing you any favors really, but I, I don't think it hurts. I think it definitely makes your team better than it was last year. I don't know that it's meaningfully better. I don't know that you're making it to the second round, um, or a conference finals, but I think you're, you're definitely not a worse team. And, and that's, that's really the answer that that last part is what I was looking for in a sense. So like th- this isn't, a, this isn't a move, even if you get Kyrie Irving, I don't think it's going to put you over the top to actually come out of the Western conference and really contend for a championship. Like I, I, I don't, I don't trust Kyrie anymore. I, I don't trust Anthony Davis anymore. His health is just, he, he, he just can't keep it together at this point and now you're asking mm. iron man lebron who has even had a, a little injury bug or two over the last few years to just you know be this awesome superman i'm gonna go out score 35 plus points per game nearly average a triple double and i'm gonna help bring everyone else along when there isn't as much there even behind those three regardless of how great anthony davis and kyrie irving can be in a vacuum because i agree with you they are arguably top 10 top 15 players in the NBA, you could have three of those guys on one roster. And usually when you have three of those guys on one roster, you're getting to the second round, you're getting to a conference finals, and you're really putting yourself in position for a championship. If you have three to four other guys on the roster that you can trust, but I just, I I, I don't see that. I don't see that. And I'm, I'm a Lonnie Walker apologist. I'm happy for him. I'm glad that, that he did get a chance to get out out underneath pop's doghouse and, and go play elsewhere. I just don't see anything the Lakers are going to do at this point that's going to push them back into championship contention. But that that being said, getting back to the first point that you wanted to make aside from my question, I agree with you that I don't think Kevin Durant's the type of guy who would do the ugliest of ugly things to force his way out of a certain situation. But at the same time, I do see him maybe getting to a point where he gets a tad more aggressive than he is right now because of exactly what you just said. The dude just wants the hoop. He doesn't care about the distractions. I don't think he wants a lot of the noise. I know that he may go on social media and and pop a few tweets off from a burner account every now and then, but (laughs) I... I don't, I don't think he wants any of the distractions. I think he just wants to play basketball. And to your point, go and prove that he's still one of the best players in the league and he can be the focal point of a championship roster. And I think that's really the reason behind him wanting to get out from under this Brooklyn situation is I don't, I don't think he sees this as getting any better or any less of a headache, even if they keep the group together. 
So let's see if I can go somewhere else and focus on the basketball. And if I'm still as good as I think I am, I can pull together almost any roster in the league and at least get them as far as a second round or a conference finals. And once, once you get to that point in the playoffs, as we've seen before, anything is possible. Any, any number mm-hmm. or any myriad of things can happen to any other team and, and you can continue to advance in the playoffs. So I put together some trade proposals on paper for four teams that I think make the most sense. Two of them were the reported favorites for Kevin Durant that we know of Phoenix and Miami. The other two I have written down, I personally think are the best packages that could be put together in the sense that we're going to give up what we feel Kevin Durant is, is worth, but we also have enough pieces left behind at the same time to really field a legitimately complete team around Kevin Durant to go possibly win uh, another championship. So the Phoenix package and the Miami packages, Maxwell, I mean, we, we know what they're going to look like. They're going to be semblance of DeAndre in sign and trade for Phoenix, along with Mikhail Bridges. You're going to give up four unprotected first round picks. You're going to give them some pick swaps and Miami's a very similar package. You're going to give up that, the, give up the house. You're going to give Tyler hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson and make all the money work. Maybe you have to throw Max Struess in to, to appease uh, Brooklyn, maybe not. And then you're going to same thing. You're going to give up the multiple first round picks unprotected. And th- those are the packages of, of what it looks like for those contenders out, out of those two teams, Maxwell, which of those packages do you think makes the most sense in terms of you think there's enough left behind for Kevin Durant to properly contend in, in either conference? I think the Miami option out of those two, like if I'm Kevin Durant, that's what I'm hoping for. Cause like you're, you still got Jimmy Butler. Like you still have Bam. In that case, um, I, I mean, in terms of just like pure shot creation, it's going to, it's going to fall a lot on Jimmy to, to kind of play like basically point guard for them. And he's he, a great he would, he would be the point guard. They're like, yeah. if you look at the roster, like there, there is no other point guard that it's you Gabe want Vincent. starting, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's like him and Gabe Vincent, which like, it's I Gabe don't... Vincent, it's, it's Victor Oladipo who probably mm-hmm. at this point is best coming off the bench but really yeah, yeah. it's going to be point jimmy and katie and, and bam yeah and i i feel pretty good about that i feel pretty good about those three guys and jimmy butler i i you know had that really rough playoff performance a year ago and then this year was just a totally different guy again in the playoffs so i think you have to hope that you get more of that out of him but i feel really good about a top three of butler bam and katie um you know, ideally, you know, maybe you make some other moves, it, which is going to be really hard to do, but it is, <laughs> it is a team with like the best player development in the league. So if there's anybody that can just find some random dude to step in and give is, them, is Nicole minutes, Jovich them. all of a sudden going to be the savior for, for the Miami Heat is as our good buddy, Nick would like to think he could be, he could <laughs> not, no, I, I would not feel very good about him playing in a playoff game after just seeing his summer league defense. Uh, but yeah, I, I would feel better about the Miami deal because like I I really like Aiton and Bridges um and you know it's nice to get that giant haul of, of picks back and the swaps and things like that I think where it gets a little dicier with that type of a trade is that I worry about getting an extra star in the door because I think like Aiton and Bridges are still better suited as like your third and fourth best guy barring some sort of unseen unexpected development out of both of them so you're basically having to package those picks and hoping somebody else wants to play with them 
or that just the fact that you are a big market gets somebody else to sign there. And even then, like just financially, you're in a pretty difficult spot as far as like building a real true blue title contender with that roster construction. Um, so just taking the Miami package, I, I don't know. I, I, f- I feel pretty good about just like basically having young Tyler Hero Lowry's going to be gone and I'm basically just starting from scratch and my cap sheet's going to be pretty clean once Lowry and Duncan are off the books. So and Fe- I can do what I did before and just take in bad contracts and get picks for him. So Phoenix is still the favorite. And yeah. if Phoenix puts together the package and that is the package that they send out the door, you have Chris Paul, who he keeps getting older. We, we don't know when he's going to fall off the proverbial cliff, as, Ma- uh, as Max Kellerman would like to say. You mm-hmm. have Devin Booker, you have Kevin Durant, and you can probably hold on to Cam Johnson. And then you have some, some interesting guard slash wing options as backups. But your big man rotation as it stands, Maxwell, would be Dario Saric and Bismack Biombo um, because Aiton's out the door. Are we at – is the perimeter offense just going to be that good to where whoever plays the center spot is, is not going to matter in the slightest, or do you still see that as potentially problematic? If that's, if that's where it's, the, yeah. I mean, you definitely don't feel good about it. I, I, I mean, you constantly hear all the time that the center position isn't actually that valuable and you can just find these guys in a trash heap. So I, I, it would be a great test case for people that have that line of thinking um, to see if they could just find some guy who can step in and be a league average replacement level center uh, in, in hold their own, because I think that's a lot harder and more valuable than a lot of people tend to think. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I would not feel great about it. I would have to hope that either somebody becomes available on the buyout market or that I'm able to swing some sort of other deal down the road, um, and get somebody that I feel better about through the door. Uh, because yeah, just on its face, I'm not crazy about that, but the rest of the roster is fantastic. Like you really are just one, one strong piece away there. So the other two packages that I wrote down, I, I absolutely love either of these destinations because I feel the best about the depth that would be left behind if either of these two trades happened. So the first one, and Maxwell, I think for what we were talking about before the podcast, you would like the Toronto Raptors trade. Mm-hmm. for Kevin Durant as well. They could build a package. And I, I know this is going to be a point of contention. I know you're going to get into this in a second, but the package I put together would be Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, and you could throw in a contract like Ken Birch, for example, to make the money work. And then you're giving up, you're giving up all the picks. If you're a massager, you're giving up 2023, 25, 27, 29, unprotected potential swaps in 2024 and 2026. So you're quite literally mortgaging your entire draft future with those guys to go get Kevin Durant. There is the giant elephant in the room if Toronto's going to step into the sweepstakes, which it seems like they has from some reports that came out. It seems like Kevin Durant could possibly be open to going there and by the betting odds shifting. I think Toronto's absolutely in play. But the elephant in the room would be does Scotty Barnes have to be in the trade? And you feel you feel strongly that he does. So you yes. do, do do you think it's possible for Toronto to still pull off the ultimate Houdini deal and keep Scotty Barnes? Or do you think that if this trade does happen, like regardless of how you feel, you, you think that he would be in the deal? I, I wouldn't accept a deal without him in it. If I'm Brooklyn, just straight up, like all the picks are nice. And, you know, there is, like you said, at some point, Kevin Durant will not be Kevin Durant anymore, or he will no longer be on their team anymore. Um, so yeah, on paper, like it's, it's great to have those picks, especially once in the future, those could, could really pay off. 
I need your best prospect. Like regardless of which team I'm trading him to, I want the best prospect on your roster. And it's also important to remember that Brooklyn does not have much of their own draft capital at this point. So if I got it, yeah, they got to take the deal where they're getting at least four first round picks. So, yeah. So you need the picks, but at the same time, like I don't feel good about rebuilding with like Gary Trent, OG Ananobi and Ken Birch and like not getting any benefit from my team, not being very good. Like with those three guys and Ben Simmons, like that, like that is just a weird, weird roster. Maybe if Kyrie's there, like, I don't know, I guess that's probably like a play in team, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really need Scotty Barnes. I need like one guaranteed surefire future star. If I'm getting that level of current star back. So even if you throw Scotty Barnes in the trade, though, there's mm-hmm. there's still some interesting depth. There's some interesting pieces, and you still have Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. and Pascal Siakam yeah. around Kevin Durant, which, that, which is that, that's a legitimate big three. Yeah. So the package, however, that I like the best, I think if the New Orleans Pelicans want to get involved, I think they have the best package. That, that anybody could offer outside of Golden State. And we can probably touch on Golden State at the end here in the Kevin Durant segment in a second because it, it would be interesting if, if, mm-hmm. if he wanted to go back there. But outside of Golden State, the package I put together New Orleans can offer would be you can put Brandon Ingram in the deal. It can't be Zion anymore now that he agreed to the designated Supermax extension. Um, so it'd be Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance, you throw Herb Jones in there. And then you can put in the Lakers 2024 first round pick. And then you can add in um, 25, 27 and 29 from New Orleans Pelicans. And you can make those unprotected first round picks. So in this trade, Brooklyn's getting back a legitimate star player who is still young to an extent in Brandon Ingram. You're getting another blue chip guy in, in Herb Jones, who he's proven himself to be. He still has some growth to do in the offensive end, but he's, arguably one of the most versatile defensive players we now have in the NBA from what he saw last year. And you're getting the first round picks to essentially replenish the stock that you lost in the James Harden trade. I think that makes the most sense. And then you're talking about Kevin Durant coming in with Zion. You still have CJ there. You just drafted Dyson Daniels, who's going to be an excellent fit around whoever is still there. You have Jackson Hayes. You have Jose Alvarado. You still have Valanciunas like that. And you have Trey Murphy. So you have a mix of veterans and young guys who can absolutely help Kevin Durant play on both ends of the floor. And that, that team would just be absolutely scary to play night in that out. So that, that personally is my favorite trade package for Kevin Durant. What, what do you think about the Pelicans potentially getting involved in the sweepstakes? I love it. And I, and I think it's a nice return for Brooklyn. Like I'm, yep. I'm in on Brandon Ingram. I love Herb Jones. Like those are two starting caliber players in my book right there. Um, one of whom like is, you know, somebody's made an all-star game in Ingram. I'm a big Larry Nance guy still too. And you're getting some really nice draft picks back. I mean, that Lakers 2024. That first could be, be really good. Crazy. Yes. Um, and same with like the Pelicans picks down the road. I mean, five years from now, who knows? Like who knows, especially depending on how this goes, if it goes really bad, maybe Zion wants out, maybe he's gone even by 2025. Like would that shock you just based no. on how the NBA is currently, if in three years, Zion Williamson is no longer in the Pelicans. Like it's, 
there's there's some real upside to this deal and it keeps you relatively competitive right now and it keeps your clap your cap sheet pretty clean so like if someone's just like hey i want to play in a big market it's like well brandon ingram's already there like it's not like i'm gonna go to just a dumpster fire and have to start from scratch like i i think this is a real nice deal for for both sides I would agree. So those are those are kind of the packages that I put together that are seemingly on the table. It seems like all those teams are at least making the calls, trying to get involved in the sweepstakes. The last team, as I mentioned, would be the Golden State Warriors, who there's apparently reported interest on both sides that this could possibly happen. Golden State could put together a monster package. They have their picks. They have any number of young guys who they could throw into the deal. And you could even put Andrew Wiggins into the deal. So you get an established wing player, one of the most important positions in the NBA. You can have your poop poop platter of young guys and draft picks. So from a package standpoint, Golden State is armed with the best assets out of any team in the NBA. Would do, do you actually think, do you actually think Kevin Durant would go back to Golden State? Like, do, do you actually think um, that, that he would do it? It'd be kind of weird because I feel It'd like the really thing about leaving was that he didn't get the respect for like not doing it on his quote unquote his team. Uh, it, so it would be odd. I wouldn't blame him. I mean, it's still a pretty nice situation to walk into over there. I think if you were willing to accept just like, hey, this is going to be how how trolls on the internet talk about me is that I just I went to the, like one of the best teams in the league twice. And that's how I got all my titles. If you can sleep at night with that on your, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, which I, I certainly could, if I was in issues, I would do it. And I'd love the trade return because I think a lot of those guys from Golden State are going to pop off soon. Like I think Moses Moody and Kuminga are closer to being good NBA players than people realize. Yep. Um, so I would love to take them back. Uh, you know, throw me, you know, throw me a, you know, some other guys in there too, you know, I'll take PBJ. Uh, I wasn't the highest on coming to the draft, but why not? And then, yeah, give me, give me Wiggins and whatever else and picks and, and we can make it happen. That to me is like the best trade package. And I think it's obviously great for Kevin Durant to go to the team that just won the NBA championship, but it just sort of feels unlikely. I feel like he would think it's a little too icky, but who knows? So anybody listening to this podcast has just listened to a, a myriad of trade packages that could be put together for Kevin Durant that are very, very sizable when it comes to tangible assets and draft picks going out the door. And it's not, it's not just because that's what you have to pay for Kevin Durant. We're, we're about to fly through some, some other deals that that team's made in, in a second. We're going to go rapid fire here a little bit, but really all of these packages now are escalating to potentially unprecedented heights because of what the Minnesota Timberwolves freaking paid to get Rudy Gobert. And I, Matt, for, I, I can't, I can't understand this trade for, for the life of me. I'm, I'm 100% in, in Bill Simmons camp. And I'm, I'm usually not one to really want to overreact to a lot of these types of trades or any of these free agency deals. I want to see what it looks like after the first quarter of games of the next NBA season on the court. But the Timberwolves get Rudy Gobert and going out the door is Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Leandro Bomaro, Walker Kessler, and then unprotected first round picks, 23, 25, 27, and the top five protected pick 
in 2029. So when you factor in Walker Kessler, it's really, it's, it's five first round picks going out the door for, for, for Rudy Gobert. And I, I, I never want to kill Rudy Gobert because I think that he's an, an incredible defensive player. And I think that he still, he still gives you enough offensively for what he brings to the court defensively, but he's not a franchise changing wing. He's not one of these shot creators going to go out and get you 30 plus points per game. He's a defensive anchor playing next to another seven footer in Carl Anthony towns who yes, on offense, it makes sense because towns can now be a stretch big. And he, all, all he really wants to do is keep firing threes. Anyways, that he, I feel like he keeps getting, he keeps dragging himself out to the perimeter and going into the post less and less anyway. So like, yeah, that's fine. But defensively, you're now asking Towns to kind of be like a, a floater going out to the corners, potentially being more active on the perimeter. Like, it, I, I understand if you want to put Gobert down middle to kind of just hold everything down and anchor the paint defensively and basically make the other team try and beat you and making perimeter shots, which is hard to do because now you see you still have D'Angelo Russell there, you have Anthony Edwards there, you have Towns. Like, those guys are going to be bombing threes and they're going to make a good amount of them. But I just... I, I don't know, Maxwell. I, I, I don't feel good about this deal. I see how it can make sense on the court, but I just think that this was this was a lot to give up, and it's going to completely skew every trade package that comes after it it's for insane, a star player yeah. for the next, like, two years. So what, your, your thoughts on what the Timberwolves did? It is a wild amount to give up for a guy that does not significantly raise your ceiling. Like, this is a, the amount that you put in a trade for somebody who gets you within like reasonable punching distance of the NBA championship. Yep. To give up this much for a guy who like maybe gets you one round further in the playoffs, if everything clicks and even that's not a guarantee given the landscape of the West. I I just feel really terrible about it. Like I, I think it, it puts a pretty firm cap on their floor. Cause like, even if, Edwards has a bad injury or talents misses a big chunk of the season. I think it does like prevent them from falling out of the play in or anything like that. But I, I just, I do not see it. I, and, and the thing with Gobert is he's obviously older, but when he signed that contract, there were people that were, were like, I don't know if you can pay that much money to a guy who just offensively is a, he plays a very simple offensive game. And, yes. and he like, look, everyone makes fun of the screen assist things, but he is legitimately one of the best screeners in the NBA He's very good at finishing around the basket. He's low maintenance. He's not going to do anything dumb, but he is again, just a very simple offensive player. And I I just can't justify giving up that much ever for anybody when that is what their offensive game is. And they're on the decline at the same time. Like he is not going to get any better. He is not going to have, you know, real developments to his game at this point. Uh, I, I just, I think it's nuts. I, I just think it's way, way, way too much considering that like Anthony Edwards is still young. Like I would want to keep picks just to try and swing yep. and see if there was anybody else I could get on my team that, that might help us out substantially. But now that's kind of out the door. I, I'm not a fan. He doesn't fit the timeline at all, which I know that's not everything, but if you were within you know, again, striking distance of a title, I could live with the timeline being a little bit wonky if I thought it gave me a chance to win a championship this year. And I, I do not think they have one at all. I would be stunned if they make a conference finals. And I don't think you can be giving up that kind of capital when you are that far away, especially for somebody who's not going to change things for you uh, to, you know, to that level. 
the 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 screen assist thing is 100% valid and and if Gobert's the only big on the floor I can absolutely see how that can make Anthony Edwards offensive game that much better but how how does this make Towns better like how 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 is this providing value for Carl Anthony Towns on the offensive side of the floor and like regardless of how you feel about Anthony Edwards possibly being the the now number one guy in Minnesota given what he was doing against the Memphis Grizzlies Towns is still your 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 unquestioned second best player on the roster um from at least from an offensive standpoint I I don't see how having Gobert on the floor at the same time makes him any better and like if, if you want to just stagger the rotations and and you're able to mix up the minutes and only one of those guys is really on the floor like that that's fine but when you're making a trade with, with the assets like this Maxwell I you have to make a deal with going into this thinking we're going to put this big three together but that big three has to be able to play on the floor at the same time for large chunks of minutes. And I, I, I don't see how Gobert possibly makes things any easier for towns, at least on the offensive side of the ball. That's yeah. I, Cause I feel like so much of the talk about it is just like, Oh, well defensively, like now you just have a bigger rim protector and like, Oh, you liked Jared Vanderbilt there. Well, this is like a bigger version of Jared Vanderbilt. It, <laughs> I like, I feel like that is how so much of it's boiled down where yeah. Offensively. Like, I just don't know that it really moves the needle at all. Like it's just a little bit better defensively in the regular season. It remains to be seen if you're actually any better in the playoffs. You're, you're, you're probably creating like three to four easier shots per game because of the screening by Gobert yep. for Russell and Anthony Edwards and possibly mm-hmm. one other shooter. And like that, that's, that, that's really, that's, that's what you're doing with Gobert on the floor. Like, is, is that enough? E- even if all of those shots go in, are those, are those nine to 12 points per game really going to push you over the edge in playoff series to make the difference to continue advancing to the Western conference finals? And my that's, answer is no. So here's, here's like the one kind of weird thing I've been thinking about a little bit. If they can make a D'Lo trade and then again, but like, I don't know. I'm not a big deal guy, but then like your shot creation is probably looking really rough. If you're going to get back a more defensive who, who, yeah, who's player gonna, for him, who's going to play point guard. If, if d out the door, like who, who's actually going to be available in a d package to come in and play point guard and actually set the table for, for other guys on the team. Like I understand that d gets those moments where he thinks he's the best player on the floor and he'll, mm-hmm. he'll go, he'll take like five to six trips down the floor on the offensive side. He'll just jack up shots. But there's also plenty of minutes during games where he's actually setting the table for others. Like he is not a bad passer. So who who else is going to get everybody in, involved on the offensive side of the ball if you're trained D'Lo? Like there there has to be another yeah. legitimate guy lined up to do that. Because the one thing I, I was going to say was like, I feel like there is a way, but I, I just don't know who you, yeah. It, the thought exercise was if you trade D'Lo, maybe you can move towns to the sort of defensive rover role that D'Lo played last season to kind of hide his his deficiencies as a defender and just allow him to sort of float on that end but then yeah if you're trading D'Lo then like who else are you bringing in that can bring you a modicum of shot creation because you're not getting you're probably getting somebody worse back because people yeah. don't want D'Lo I don't want I don't want towns playing any sort of rover role that, that that see like Rudy's best in drop coverage. You want Towns essentially playing the same role. He just doesn't protect the rim and block as many shots mm-hmm. as Rudy Gobert. But you you do not want Towns having to shuffle his feet on the perimeter and and play all of this defense 
in space because he he's never really shown the the want to go be a defensive playmaker he'll he'll do his job like he'll he, he will be a big body to contest guys when somebody's one-on-one on him in post against, you know, one of these other centers. But like, yeah, I, oh God, it just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I feel so bad for Metcalf. Like I think Metcalf probably yeah. hates the package and he kind of indicated that to us a little bit. Like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. The, the, that's, that's really to me, it wasn't even, I agree with you. I was surprised about the Kevin Durant thing. I wasn't shocked. That Gobert trade actually shocked me. Like that, that threw me in the back of my chair, and I was like, "What? What, what the hell?" As Rich Eisen show would, would play, the hell's going on here? Like that. That's really the moment of that in, in, in the offseason for me. It was stunning too, because I know at one point Matt Moore had a tweet that was like, "Bull Center news incoming," and I was like, "Oh, maybe like Utah is just going to tear it down, and they're going to take the like Pat Williams, Kobe White, and a few like deep future first round pick." and Vucevic package or something like that. Like, I really thought like that was the full center news you're going to get and not like they signed Andre Drummond and Rudy Gobert has been exchanged for a King's ransom of, of draft picks and like some decent young players too. Oh my God. Oh, holy smokes, Minnesota. You really, congratulations. You blew the doors off the off season. Um, Some other moves slash teams that that we're just going to go through really quick. And then we'll get into the meat meat and potatoes of this podcast. What we really came here to do uh, Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics. Yay or nay? Oh, yay. Uh, Phenomenal deal. Uh, You know, he's in highway robbery brother, but yeah, I mean, you give up, you know, a guy who was like your fourth big, and somebody who doesn't play in a draft pick that won't be that good to get somebody who's a phenomenal ball handler and is somebody who is probably not going to have turnover issues. And that's been a big thing that's plagued your team. And it's also just a good score and a good shooter and can play off the ball. Like that is a phenomenal deal. You do that every single time. Jalen Brunson to the Knicks four years, $104 million. Yay or nay. I'm totally fine with it. So like it's it's a yay for me. I don't really understand what the Knicks are building, but like I don't hate the contract. <laughs> like I, there are worse ways I can imagine the Knicks spending that money. I I agree with you in that it's a yay, and that I I would want Jalen Brunson on my roster. It's just I just as I talked about with Rucker on a previous episode, we were trying to recap a lot of the draft stuff. I just I, I I don't know what the Knicks are doing. We don't know what the next mystery move is. So I guess it's it's sort of like and incomplete to an extent, but in terms of just having Jalen Brunson on your team, mm-hmm. I'll give it a yay. Um, Bradley Beal and Zach Levine signing their super max deals. Uh, Beal, five years, $251 million. Holy shit. Levine, five years, $215 million. Yay or nay on those deals? Uh, nay on Beal, yay on Levine. Um, okay. I, like Bradley Beal has like sneakily just become a worse and worse shooter every single year for the past six years now you know you know, you know what really um, threw me back about bradley beal was when i saw the espn graphic the stack comparisons last year and and, and beal had some some industry tr- injury troubles last year but mm-hmm. the stack comparisons between him and james harden and we gave james harden all of the crap that we did last year for being out mm-hmm. of shape and then forcing his way to philly and then not being as productive as we wanted him to be in philly like james harden was a much more productive player last year ultimately than Bradley Beal like that that scares the crap out of me if we're giving the Sixers all this crap you better not extend harder for the full five years why are you giving Beal that many years and that, and that much money yeah and he's just a horrific defender um <laughs> and like you mentioned some of the injury stuff too like that dude is like one bad injury away from like being horrible 
Yeah. Like he's, he's a great offensive player right now. He's one bad injury away from being like his former, former buddy, John Wall. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like, he's, he's gotten better as a playmaker and like, he's still like a really good scorer and can like do really interesting things on the go. And like, he's really retooled this game and he deserves credit for it. Um, but like, if he just has like one victory, like the bottom could really fall out on him in an ugly way. And like, I'm, I'm already not sure like what he looks like on a title team. And I, I think Washington's just like fine to be Washington. Um, but yeah, that deal is going to be a nightmare to move down the road. Levine, yay. The Bulls, the Bulls need to be competitive. They need to be in the mix just to get like the fan base revitalized. It worked last season. You just pay the money. He's he's one of the best off the dribble scorers in the league. It's really hard to get guys that do that. His defensive buy-in has been progressively better. That's the one thing everyone likes to nitpick with him. Um, yeah, I, I think you do that every single time. He's worth it. I, I agree hundred percent. I love Zach Levine. I think he's awesome. He's on, he's on a very short list of players for me who I would love to see uh, win a championship ring one day. I'm sure Maxwell oh, Chicago guy, you would love to see it be on the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So you, 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 you sure. sign that contract every time mm-hmm. Two two teams that, that we will go yay or nay on for, for what they've done so far this off season, the Portland trailblazers for drafting Shane Sharp seventh overall doing the Jeremy Grant trade, bringing back Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, bringing on Gary Payton and Drew Eubanks, yay or nay on what the Trailblazers are attempting to do around Damian Lillard. Can I go like firmly in the middle? Because like, I don't, sure. I don't hate the Shaden Sharp pick. Like I I see the vision of like, you know, we're just going to get a really high upside guy that, you know, may have been a higher pick if he played or whatever. The Jeremy Grant trade I thought was fantastic. It's a steal. I love the Gary Payton deal. Drew Eubanks is, you know, fine for the money. The Anthony Simons contract is a little scary to me just because yes. a lot of production came in like the last few months of the season, which historically has been a very unreliable indicator, especially for non-playoff teams. Uh, and I do not like the Nurkic deal at four years. Like that to me is just another deal. Like you just like a games played over the last few years real chance that gets ugly. I'm assuming there's probably some level of protection involved in it. And I hope there would be, uh, but that would, to me was just the owner. I'm like, Oh no, don't, don't like that at all. Yeah. Four, four years at $70 million. That's a, that, that's a good annual average for a yes. player like Nurkic, but the years I agree with you that, that, that gets a little scary. And then mm-hmm. last year, nay, Maxwell, we're, we're both Philadelphia 76ers mm-hmm. guys. The, the James Harden situation, notwithstanding, they still got, they brought in PJ Tucker, Daniel House, Trevlin Queen. They made the Anthony Melton trade. And then they have an undrafted haul of Michael Foster, Julian Champagne's on a two way, and Aminu Muhammad got an exhibit 10. So there are still some moves that can be made, mm-hmm. including the James Harden signing and then Matisse Thibel, Tobias Harris, Ferk. That we know those three guys are potentially uh, rumored to be involved in some trades if Daryl Morey continues. But from what the 76ers have done so far, if the team with James Harden brought back is the way that it is now, yay or nay for the 76ers, Ken, is this enough mm-hmm. to, to finally get Embiid to a conference finals? I don't know that it's enough to get him to a conference finals, but I'm a yay on the offseason. Okay. Um, I think the P.J. Tucker deal is like the one that scares me with the cap bump. Like that deal might not be too bad by the time it gets bad, which could be like as soon as next year. Uh, the Daniel House deal I'm all about. I love that one. I love the Trevlin Queen 
contract. Like yes. that dude has been a monster in the G League. So like yep. the fact that they were able to get it basically non-guaranteed is shocking to me. Uh, love the Melton trade. Love, love the undrafted free agency hall. Love, love the Michael Foster idea, even if it doesn't pan out for oh, them, if it's, if it's a down the road thing, really like Champagne on a two way for them. Like to me, like a guy who might find time right away, just cause he knows where to be on defense and he can shoot. Um, like there's a real chance that he, I, I, I mean, it's Doc Rivers, so probably not, but like <laughs> it, he, he's going to play in some games and he's going to not embarrass himself. I think, yes. um, so yeah, I'm I'm ultimately very pleased with it. I don't think there was anything that really made me feel queasy other than maybe the length of the PJ Tucker deal. But now now that we know what we know about the cap, I'm not as worried about it. The Melton thing was the best thing that I think Philadelphia did all offseason, other than the the sneaky good Trevor and Queen addition for the the money that they got him um, on the Melton deal. Absolute chef's kiss to Maury for using draft capital in the right way to go get rotational players who are not just completely old and worn out and on their last legs. The Anthony Mellon has plenty of game left in him. I understand some of the offensive concerns. If you go and look at some of the advanced analytics, but I obviously trust the offense. I certainly trust the defense. He seems like one of the better backcourt additions that they could have put on this roster. And then what they gave up, that doesn't really matter to me. Bring in Melton 10 times out of 10. I'm also a yay on, on the Philadelphia 76ers offseason. And I know for a fact, I will talk about the Philadelphia 76ers again on this podcast feed. Don't worry, just because we're not doing the deep dive now. I promise we'll, we'll get there. But those are some free agency slash trade housekeeping points that needed to be addressed. Maxwell, it's time to move on to what we really came here to do on this podcast our 2022 NBA Summer League preview. This one's for the Sickos. I don't think I did a full uh, Summer League preview last year in terms of trying to look at some rosters slash storylines. But as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I chose my five most interesting teams slash rosters. I asked Maxwell to make a similar list. We don't know which teams or on each other's list. So I'm going to try and run through Maxwell's teams. We'll see if one of his teams that he mentions did make my top five. I also have seven honorable mentions outlined because I think the summer league is just going to be fun as hell. I put together my most interesting team slash rosters based on storylines carrying over um, from the draft or from year two players. I was really looking for the storylines that I think are going to be most relevant to carry into the NBA regular season. That's how I wanted to rate some of these. So even though I might not have a team, a part of my top five, I might have them in an honorable mention. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy watching them in summer league because I watch as much summer league as possible. I just feel really good about the five that I chose for a number of reasons for each, but Maxwell, like I said, I'm going to start with you. We're going to go through okay. your five. We're going to go one by one, dissect each of them. We'll see how many teams cross over on each of our lists. So your first team that you want to bring up is one of your most interesting summer league rosters. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go pretty paint by numbers here. As far as like where we're starting <laughs> the Oklahoma city thunder. Okay. Did, did not make my top five, surprisingly. Really? Not make my top five. They're, they're an honorable mention for me. I'm going to love watching them. I love what they did in the draft, but why are they on your top five? Okay, well, number one, just, we're going to watch Chet Holmgren play basketball. Yes, we are. Yes. That's that's number one. 
Um, I don't know like how much we're actually going to see of like Trey man. Um, I would assume probably not much. Um, but Usman Jang is really interesting to me in summer league uh, because he finished the season so strong in Australia, but he was on a very bad team. And like a lot of that production came like late in those games where they weren't super competitive. So, and the other thing with him is in France, he played for an Academy team that played up. So we've seen very little of him just competing against similar competition on like a team that is competitive against players, his own age. It's just been a lot of being thrown at the wolves against grown men for him. Um, and not that the summer league competition is a grown man, but they're, they're closer in age to sure. where he is. Um, so that's really interesting to me. Uh, Giddy, I, again, like another guy I don't think is going to play more than like two games. Uh, but Aaron Wiggins is just like an interesting guy who's on the fringe. I'm intrigued to see what he does. Uh, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams coming off a yes. hot combine. Uh, very intriguing to see if he still just looks like a cut above to the degree that he did there. Uh, and then the undrafted free agent bunch of Gabe Brown, who's really mm-hmm. exciting and can shoot. And is going to have these other shot creators to kind of set stuff up for him. And sort of a sneaky one, a guy I, I really didn't like as a prospect, but I think in this context makes a lot of sense is Jaden Shackelford from Alabama who the defensive tape is very, very bad. Um, but he is a guy who can really shoot the ball and he can rebound. And Oklahoma City got loves guys that just like rebound and start the break. And I think he can do that. And if he gets hot, I wouldn't be shocked to see him like land some sort of deal out of this entire thing. He, he's also going to have a myriad of opportunities to prove himself in the catch and shoot game. As you said, we, mm-hmm. all, we all know he can shoot the lights out. He will have the opportunities to do so with how many shot creators this Oklahoma City roster actually has coming into summer league. You mentioned Giddy. Uh, we know Chet Holm can handle the ball on the break, make some interesting passes in transition. I have a really, really sick question for you, Maxwell. I'm curious mm-hmm. your, your answer to this. Who gets more on ball? pick and roll creation reps between Usman Jang, who that was a fascinating characteristic of his game as we headed into the draft season Mm -hmm. or Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, who gets more opportunities to show their on ball stuff in summer league. I think in summer league, it's going to be Jalen Williams just like, I think they're probably still going to want to be pretty competitive. And I think he's a safer bet to be a positive contributor in summer league than Jang is. Um, and I think like Oklahoma City, as we learned with Poku, they're not afraid to slow play it. So I don't think they're going to be like, we got to just force me to spawn <laughs> and see what's here. I think the, I think they'll give him some chances, but unless he's like coming out guns blazing and like really clicking immediately, I'd assume that Jalen Williams is going to take on more of that load. I, I would agree with you, although I, I would love to see Oklahoma City just say screw it and rip the bandaid off and just be let fun. Jang absolutely run wild because that's- and if he's hot, they might. They might. And that's, that's the opportunity to do it. Right. We, we see summer league continuing to be an environment where a team takes an, an interesting wing guy and they want to feed them as many on ball creation reps as possible and see just how much they can handle, whether they're rookies or second year players. So I'm not, I'm not going to rule it out for Jang to all of a sudden have like a game or two where he is doing a, a bulk of the ball handling in the half court. And they just try and see how much he can actually do on an NBA floor uh, against real competition. So I'm, I, I am very curious to see how the whole Oklahoma city thing plays out. And I will watch that team closely. Um, 
So we knocked out one of your teams, knocked out one of my honorable mentions. Who's who's the who's the next team you want to go to on your list? All right, let's do uh, let's do kind of a, a quirkier one that I feel like might not be there for you, but I don't I don't know. I thought you were gonna have the Thunder. So who knows? The San Antonio Spurs. They are an honorable mention. They are not okay. on my list, but I, I they they are firmly on my radar for a number of reasons. Why are they on your radar? Okay, so for me, uh, I'm I'm just really intrigued by their draft hall. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Suhan, uh, Malachi Branham, and I I just feel like the summer league environment, with it being as up tempo as it is, might lend itself to Blake Wesley who is really good at just like running up and down the court. And I think, I think Blake Wesley is going to have some horrific games. Really? I I think he's going to show some like really, really good flashes at times, Uh but I think the overall outputs, like he's going to be one of those guys that just the general output on social media is going to be like Blake Wesley's a bust. This is why he went in the back end of the first round should have never been the lottery buzz. I think Blake Wesley is going to be one of those guys, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to buy into the flash and I'm going to buy into the long-term talent for him. But I, I think the numbers from an efficiency standpoint are going to be horrific. Okay. Like, and I'll, I'll be happy if I'm proven wrong. Cause that's kind of how I feel about like, this is like another just boom bust. I'm really player is Jordan. Yes. Paul. Yep. We're like the defense is, is always been an issue with him, but it's summer league. So like it's the defense in general is going to be bad. So it might not stand out. And if he can just play a couple games where the shots are going in, he's finding his teammates. He could look awesome. Uh, very intrigued to see Dominic Barlow playing yes. against a higher level of competition. Uh, super, super intrigued to see what Josh Primo looks like. Yep. After he was like good in summer league last year, if I recall, uh, and now coming off a great G league season, like me super promising. And then just like the deep cut sicko stuff of like the, the tire kicking of Robert Woodard is something I really enjoy here. <laughs> like this is a team that is really thin on the front court and just like needs bigger bodies. And like Robert Woodard has basically been an idea like from the time that like he was a draft prospect, just cause like he's never really been a consistent outside shooter. But I, I love that they are trying with him. Like, that is absolutely the kind of guy that Oklahoma City should just be checking to see if there is anything going on with him. Uh, and Sasha Stefanovic, like, a great three-point shooter who might have a couple games where everything just goes in and he looks like he could stick as a sharpshooter at some point. I think with a lot of those kind of players, they don't actually make it into the league until, like, three or four years down the road. Um, but this is just, was, like, a really fun team with a lot of interesting storylines. Was Stefanovic a, a Portsmouth guy? I know, I know you watched. I don't recall seeing him play at Portsmouth off the top of my head. Okay. I I feel like he, he, I feel like he, he was probably, if if he wasn't, that's fine. I I honestly, I can't, I'm not going to remember everybody who was at Portsmouth off the top of my head, but I feel like he would have been one of those guys, the Spurs, like I know the Spurs always send the the legitimate scouting contingent to Portsmouth. I feel Mm -hmm. like he would have been one of those guys that they walked away like, yeah, we're we're obviously not going to draft this guy, but like we're we're going to roll him into camp. We're gonna we're gonna see what happens with somebody like Stefanovic. I I do agree with you. If if I were going to put the Spurs in my top five Maxwell, it was going to be because of some of the deeper cuts. You mentioned Dominic mm-hmm. Barlow. You mentioned Jordan Hall. One of my least favorite prospects of all time, Darius Days, is yeah. on the summer league roster, and then Kyler Edwards is also on the summer league roster. That's just like a really interesting quartet of guys who mm-hmm. I strangely think all of them will have NBA opportunities of not next season. They're going to get him down the road. What, why do I feel like Darius days is the least San Antonio Spurs player of all time? Yet he's somehow going to find a it's way to so be on the bizarre. roster next year. 
yeah yeah that was like a really surprising just like fit <laughs> pick for me because like all of his flaws are stuff that the Spurs generally don't take guys that have those so maybe it's going to end up being a really good fit but I, yeah I that's an interesting one and then you mentioned off the top obviously Jeremy Suhan is going to be really fun to watch in the summer league setting Mal- I think Malachi Branham see it's going to be the the, the tale of two different tapes. I think Blake Wesley's going to struggle. I think Malachi Branham's going to be really freaking good summer league and everybody's going to walk away. Like, why did this guy go at, at pick 20? Why was he not a lottery pick? Like a lot of the people on draft Twitter, us included, pegged him to be closer or in that range. I, I think Branham's going to be a big red hot, the summer league kind of guy. And he might actually bow out of those games quicker than initially anticipated so that's that's two teams off your list the oklahoma city thunder and the spurs who's next maxwell uh let's go ahead and do the golden state warriors yep they are on my list let's do it why are they on yours uh because they have a ton of interesting talent uh it starts in the chat with moses moody moses moody was number five on my board last year and he just dominated the g league this past season like he rocks like he's just great uh, super excited to see what he uh, shows in this environment. I, I wouldn't be shocked if him and Kuminga get shut down pretty early. Yep. Um, but the rest of this roster is just really fun. Allegedly, James Wiseman is going to play. Yep. Um, but even if he doesn't, I, like Pat Baldwin, another guy where I'm just that, that's the That's the number one storyline that I have written down underneath Golden State on my sheet yeah. is Patrick Baldwin. What does he look like in summer league and how much offensive responsibility do they give him? I think will be very telling. Yeah. So I, I really want to see him in this environment. I want to see um, role. I want to see like, are they going to do some of the stuff that Milwaukee did and try to like force him to create on the ball a little bit and see how it goes when he's surrounded by better teammates and doesn't have defenses collapsing on him all the time, or are they going to kind of ease him in and just say like, Hey, we're going to let everybody else do that. And you can kind of just work your catch and shoots and just kind of work the role that we ultimately envision you playing on our team. Um, but also just like the overall fun factor with this team, like Lester Quinones, like, I just want to see that dude hit threes and do his little guitar. Talk. Like, <laughs> I want to see that, uh, Caleb Ledoux is just, he's a gunner, like took six threes a game in the G league this year and hit 40% interesting, of them. interesting guy and excellent interview yeah. done by you and the no Sillings podcast feed. If anybody um, hasn't listened to that, go look that up on the feed for sure. And then like the two, just like total wild cards of Jacob Gilliard and JD Note who are like going to average seven steals a game each in summer league. Uh, and like Gilliard kind of has an interesting shot making bag. And then like Note might like be the first player released from their summer league team for taking too many <laughs> shots. Like I'm just so excited. Cause like he's, he's so fun. Like JD Note is going to take some bad shots and that's, that's the JD Note experience, but he's going to make somebody miserable. Like some other team is going to have a point guard that is just like, I just want to get through this game and JD Note is up in my grill and I cannot put the ball on the floor. I, he is guarding me the entire length of the court and I am having zero fun in Las Vegas because he is guarding me. Uh, so like, there's just so much fun with the rest of the roster. I think like your real intrigue is like you have the palace intrigue of what is Pat Baldwin. You have the immediate NBA impact interest of Kuminga and Moody. And then you just have a whole lot of fun with guys like, Gilliard, Quinones, uh, Ledoux, and Note. Like that is that is just a blast. You 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 didn't you didn't mention the one guy who I wanted to have you on regarding the Golden State conversation for a guy who I did not talk about 
on this podcast feed, yet I was watching him go shot for shot with Keegan Murray in their first California Classic game. Where the hell did Guy Santos come from? Yeah. Well, where where I, where did he come I skipped from? over him. That's my bad. Give, so, give, yeah, me, so he, give me an evaluation on him for my podcast listeners. Okay, so he played for Minas in Brazil, and he was a guy that, like, had just kind of, like, fallen out of my board because I hadn't, like, heard much buzz about. And then when I was doing my final, like, go through, watch everybody one last time, whatever, like, he kind of stood out to me a little bit. He still was in my undrafted range because yeah. uh, there, there's two sort of, like, issues with him. He, he, in his tape, doesn't really look very vertical. So that's a bit of an issue for him he does work like really hard on the glass he's a really thick frame he's strong um, but he doesn't get up off the ground while i agree yeah 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 yeah. but like they would like run pick and pops for him there like with him as the screener so like he can do some really interesting things and like he's a little too upright on the ball too um but he is very crafty as a driver like he just has a ton of skill as far as like getting to the cup having some counters like there is a real just vivid understanding of how to play basketball um, within him. He is a smart player. His outside shot is kind of come and gone. I'm pulling up uh, the numbers right now, uh, but he's just been a little inconsistent from outside. And it's six, seven and like not a crazy vertical athlete. Like that is going to need to be there. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So last season across two leagues, he was 35.7% from three on two attempts a game. This year, three attempts per game, 32.6%. His free throw percentage is like average over time. He was 72.9% this past year. Um, So it's not like a sure thing that he's going to shoot it. Uh, And if he doesn't, it gets really dicey for a guy like that, who's, you know, a smart defender and knows where to be, but isn't like a lockdown guy. Uh, So he's really got to shoot it to to stick, but he is a very smart player. But in a system like Golden State's that is 100% predicated on not just ball movement, but also player movement, mm-hmm. why do I think they could stick him on the floor for like eight minutes a game and just do some really fun things with him? As you talked about using him as a screener or using him as kind of like a baseline cutter, just drawing the defense's attention or getting some sneaky, sneaky good layup attempts around the bat. Like, Why do I feel like he can actually work? pretty well for the minutes that he would play with golden state in, in a way that he probably wouldn't work on other teams for the reasons that you outlined. Like, I think he's a good golden state guy to, to bring into the fold. For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's true. Like they, they do have that advantage of other teams. Like when you have Steph Curry and you have the spacing that he creates, there's a lot of creative ways that you can use a guy like that. So, and like, he's a pretty good passer is the other thing too. Like it yes. wouldn't shock me. Like, the way that they use the short roll a lot, like there's a lot of stuff there for him too. And like handoff sets, like there's, there's ways that they could, could squeeze some juice out of him. That was, that was one of the most fun moments. I think I I can remember from, from watching a summer league game was, was him and Keegan Murray going at it. That, that fascinated me. So we, we had to talk about that on this podcast. Okay. Golden state warriors was on my list, was on your list. So Mm -hmm. we finally got a team that was on both lists. Who's next on your list? Let's do the Houston Rockets. Yep, obviously, obviously on my list. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, this is just a, a, a loaded team. I mean, you got the number three pick in the draft, who many people thought was going to be the number one pick in the draft in Jabari Smith. We've got Ty Ty Washington. Um, you've got Tari Eason, obviously. So all the rookies this year, very interesting. 
Uh, Trevor Hudgens is a guy that they signed to a two-way. Who the heck is Trevor Hudgens, Maxwell? I, yeah. Rucker and I did not know who he was on uh-huh. our, our draft recap. I'm like, I, I'm sure Maxwell knows who he is. Did, yep. Please, please, who's Trevor Hudgens? So he, he played at Portsmouth, and he's, he's six feet tall, which is like the, uh, uh, but he, <laughs> he played at Northwest Missouri State, uh, Division II. He led, I believe he led Division II in scoring and three-pointers made. Um, he can really shoot the ball. Like he is a really, really good shooter. He's a very solid decision maker. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of wiggle, um, which is like, that's the thing that like hangs me up. Like he's six feet tall. He's a good decision maker and he can shoot. But he, like usually guys that are six feet tall that stick in the NBA are really slithery. And he is not. Um, he's a pretty good defender though. Like he, he did a really nice job on Alex Barcelo in one of the Portsmouth games. So like he, he can play a little bit of defense. Uh, I'm just intrigued to see what he looks like playing good competition. And then they've just got a fun mix of guys coming back. I mean, you got Dacian Nix who had a really strong bounce back season. That's the guy I think I want to see the absolute most yes. on that roster. I want to see what he looks like. Is he still in great shape heading in the year two? Can, is he going to command the starting point job point guard job for that team in summer league? Like what, what's that going to look like the comparison between him and Ty Ty Washington? That's a great question. And like, I like the fact that that's a good thing that with like Trevor Hudgens kind of confuses me a little bit is like, if Dacian takes another step forward like that, like you might not want to have a guy like Hudgens on a two way, just cause like with him and Ty Ty, like he might become pretty redundant pretty quickly. Yep. Uh, so that's, that's like a very intriguing story I'm going to pay attention to. And then if, if he does click and then Hudgens is out, like then who comes in? So that that's fascinating too. Um, Usman Garuba. Like yes. I, I feel like the world has just moved on and forgotten about him. And I still really like Usman Garuba. And I still think there's like a chance he's a good NBA player for a long time. There's a chance he might not be, um, obviously, but I really like him and I'm excited to see him back out there. And like Josh Christopher, like a guy who just like did not get, you know, a ton of runner responsibility. But last year at Summer League, he showed that he could pass, which was a shock because he <laughs> didn't do it at all at Arizona State because he didn't get the ball. So I didn't blame him, but he didn't pass on college. And like he looked, he showed some new wrinkles in Summer League. I'm intrigued to see if we can see some more this year. So it's just a fun, fun group of rookies, really intriguing group of returners. I, I agree 100% on the fun factor. That is the Houston Rockets. And what even escalates the fun factor further is that that Houston Rockets summer league team is also going to be the majority of the Houston Rockets 2022-23 NBA regular season squad. So that just just getting those guys more developmental reps in a a good environment, good spot for them. It's going to be obviously a bunch of fun to watch the Houston Rockets. So Warriors... Rockets, we share those two on our top five lists. Thunder and Spurs are in my honorable mentions. They were on your list. Who is the last team that was a part of your top five? It is the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, also on my list. So we got three out of five. This is probably the team I'm most excited for. Um, I just love this team. So you got to start with the returners. You got Jose Alvarado. Yep. At some point, he's going to hide in the quarter. Everyone's going to lose their mind. They're going to love it. (laughs) <laughs> um Najee Marshall is like an interesting one to me because it's wrote him like, down. It seemed like he was gonna be really good. And then he he kind of like had a bit of a soft, sophomore slump. So I'm excited to see what he has. Um this rookie class rocks. I mean, like Dyson Daniels, 
EJ Liddell, Carl Makovich, all very interesting. Oh, Trey Murphy, I skipped over his returner. Like, I'm still super bullish on Trey Murphy. He was like, I think 11th or 12th on my board last year. I just love his game. Like, he's just tailor-made for the modern NBA. Uh, but we're going to get to see Dyson Cook, uh, which is going to be awesome. Uh, very excited to see him. Like, just somebody who's played against pros before. I think he's going to be unfazed. I think he's him and Him and EJ Liddell could develop some really interesting chemistry together mm-hmm. in summer league, which would be really fun. I'm intrigued to see Sebron because again, like he was yep. good at the combine and, and this is going to be a fairly similar environment. Carl uh, Makovich, I really enjoyed uh, late in the season as I was kind of finishing up my film dives. Like he, he played with Nikolajovich this past season and uh, for mega and, and he's just a nice kind of center who's developing a jump shot, but he is like the best at like playing the middle of pick and roll coverage. Like he gets so many steals out of just like, I'm going to cat and mouse you and trick you into thinking you have the pass to the big man and you do not have it. Um, <laughs> I, like, I just really love that about his game. Uh, and then like just some interesting flyer type guys. Amado Sue played at the Tampa Combine and he cleaned up and dominated as like a 6'9 big man who doesn't shoot at all. Um, like those type of guys generally don't make it in the NBA, but they used to do really well in things like Summer League and the G League. Uh, love that we're seeing John Petty Jr. again. I wrote down, we're getting John Petty minutes. I, I'm very excited about that. Like, I'm still a guy I am holding out some hope for as an NBA player. Um, Isaiah Brockington, uh, like just a guy who's very like poised and mature and has a really good scoring package and could turn out to like stick at the back end for rotation somewhere at some point if he, if things break right for him. Three is real if he can figure out a role defensively. And then, like, the big man of mystery, John Butler, who... I, I wrote down John Butler's revenge tour. Yeah, because it really seemed like I... And look, like, I am not a sore stuff guy. Like, I don't I don't talk to a ton of people in the league on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, but I will say, just, like, based on the few conversations I, I have had with people, I don't think there's a bigger disconnect about any prospect between, like, Twitter and actual professional basketball people than with John Butler. Like people on Twitter are still just like, I can't believe nobody's picked him up. I can't believe this is happening. And like everyone I've spoken with that like works in basketball at any level is like, Oh no, he's just too far away. And like, if it does pan out, like the phrase that I heard somebody use is like the odds of him being special are pretty low. Like, like I think the consensus is like, if he puts it together, like maybe he's, he's like a, a better like modern Channing Fry. The odds of him being on the first team that gives him a chance four years from now are also very, 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 very incredibly slim. Like he's going yeah. to be a second team guy. And I think that's really yes. what people didn't understand. And NBA teams like, yeah, if you have an, an excellent, excellent kick-ass developmental system where you can bring those guys in, you can get them by year three or four, they're really proving themselves worthy of being on another contract with you. Like that's fine. But there are so few NBA teams who actually have that level of developmental system in place mm-hmm. to where John Butler actually makes sense. New Orleans can be one of those teams. They could. But be. I don't think a team like New Orleans was ever going to draft him. For sure. And I think something else that people kind of miss the mark with is I think that there's a number of projects that NBA teams are willing to take on. And I, like, I think at a certain point, they don't want more of them. Yes. And I think if you are a team, uh, like say like the Nuggets drafting Peyton Watson, like they can have like somebody on the staff, like their role is just to like usher him along and like yep. kind of get him 
them up to speed and see what they have there. But like, there's like, there's are a lot of teams that have a ton of roster spots for those types of players. So like, whenever you are seen as somebody that's a couple years away, like there's aren't that many roster spots for that type of player in the league. Um, I really hope it works out for him. Like I had a draftable grade on him. Like I, I do. And like, part of that is just seeing the long-term. Like I think eventually if this guy does manage to pack on size, like he's a great modern center. Um, I do think there's some real flaws to this game. Again, like kind of like Chet, everyone just focuses on the weight, but like he is a subpar passer. Like he is very bad around the basket. Like that is the big difference between him and Chet is like Chet is a very good finisher around the basket and John Butler ranked in like the 25th percentile around the basket on synergy. Like that is a massive, massive issue. Um, so yeah, like he, he's, he's got some real things he needs to work on in his game aside from just, it's not like, Oh, he just needs to get bigger. That's, that's not the only thing for him. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see him. And I, I hope he just has like a big summer league and can, can get somebody to invest in him because he's a really interesting player. If, if you want to go to summer league or you're flipping on the games uh, on your laptop or your computer at home, and you want to watch the Pelicans, you want to watch Dyson Daniels, you better catch one of those first two games. That dude will oh, be yeah. shut down by game two gear. I, th- I think he, if he were to play every single game for the Pelicans in summer league, I think he could take them to the championship game. And I think, mm-hmm. I think he could, help them win it like i think he would probably be summer league mvp i, I think he's going to be that good and, and so i, I think he's going to destroy people okay so warriors rockets pelicans we shared that we're on your list that were on my list there's obviously two teams that were on my list that weren't on your top five. First one of those teams would be the detroit pistons i wrote down detroit pistons is actually the number one team on my list I want to see what Jay Ivey looks like in summer league. I think he's going to be a fascinating mm-hmm. watch given everything that happened. I want to see if he can develop some pick and roll chemistry with Jalen Duran, the other, the guy who we didn't know if he would be in a Detroit Pistons uniform because of all the crazy trades that happened on draft they've, day. Got they've got to like clean that up. Like the fact that like they initially released a summer league roster that didn't have him on it because of like league rules, very obnoxious to me. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, Alex in our group chat was like, "Did he get hurt or something?" I'm like, "No, it's probably just because of like the trade stuff." Then they had to sign him. Like they can't, they can't have him on the first release. But he'll, he'll be there. He'll be in action. I can't wait to see those two work together. So how do both of those guys look? Killian Hayes is going to get some freaking summer league minutes. Like we're heading into year three. I don't, yes. I, I don't know what the hell to make of Killian Hayes, and I don't uh-huh. think they know what the hell to make of Killian Hayes. They're going to give him some really interesting reps. They're going to play him next to Jay Ivey. They're going to play him without Jay Ivey. I don't know what to expect from it. It could be a disaster. It could be where Killian Hayes finally like starts to put it all together. I don't know. What, what do you think about Killian Hayes probably getting some, some good run in year three at summer league? I, and like, I'm not just saying this because like on the first, that was like the first year I made a board. I had him fourth. So like, it, it could have been worse, but like, I really <laughs> you, did. You didn't, you didn't have him at one. So it's I didn't have him at one. And a lot of people did, like a lot of smart people did. Like, yep. it's crazy. I like, I like, I'll occasionally just go back and like look at highlights of him. And it's like, I, I still see the vision. Like I get what people saw in him. I just think his confidence needs to get there. And like the lack of an offhand has obviously been a, a big, big problem. Uh, but yeah, I, I really hope we get a big, big summer league from him. They were my top honorable mention team. Okay. Um, what do you think happens if he has a bad summer league? <sighs> Like, do you think it could be something severe as I'm like cutting bait or just like 
trading him? Like, do you think there's yeah, a situation? I, I think that I think they trade him. I think they yeah. they 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 move off him for probably I don't know. It's probably like the second. same thing. Yeah, the same thing that the Sixers got for Markel Fultz. Like, obviously moving off him for different reasons, but it's probably like the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, or like similar to like what 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 they traded for Marvin Bagley. Sad, sad sad situation if Killian Hayes does not show up in summer league. And then, I really hope he kills it though. Like it would make me so happy if he just comes out and it's like, Oh man, like maybe he is a <laughs> starter on this team going forward. I, I agree 100%. And then you still have Isaiah livers. We got to see what he can look like heading into year two. Cause there were obviously had the injury thing going into his rookie year. Didn't, didn't play a ton of games. And then the last name I have written down, I love that Miami backcourt that we had this past college season of Cam Augusti and Isaiah Wong. We're going to yeah. get Cam, Cam Augusti, Detroit Pistons summer league minutes, Cam Augusti swagger. Let's freaking go. I'm, I'm all for it in a summer league setting. I know that they, Cam Augusti is absolutely a Maxwell deep cut. Well, and yeah, and, and they got Charlie Moore too yep. from that same team, like the undersized yep. guard who played it, I believe it to Paul for a long time. Uh, so yeah, Cam Augusti rocks. Cam Augusti super fun a guy who like might just go off and score a bunch of points one game. And like, he has such a deep bag that like, cause he's 24, like he's older. So he's just got a much more polished game than a lot of these guys. So like, yeah, he didn't have the draft buzz, but I think it's just cause guys his age tend not to get drafted, but he, but he's going to go out and he's going to style on some dudes that were picked. Yep. Um, the other kind of interesting subplot for me is like, is there going to be a two-way sharpshooter battle? Cause they brought in like buddy Bayheim and Kyle Foster who were both just dudes that launched threes. I was going to try to make it out of this segment without mentioning the Bayheims for, for Nick's sake and no ceilings, but yes. We can yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like Jimmy Bayheim popping up on a summer league deal was stunning to me. Uh, <laughs> but buddy, buddy, I kind of get like buddy's analytical numbers are really good. Like if you think there's a chance that he could, just be on the floor defensively. I get why you would try him out. Um, but it was interesting to me that they brought in like both Buddy Beheim and Kyle Foster, who are kind of the same type of player. Like they're just guys that are going to launch a ton of threes. And I wonder if that is like, do they want to have one of those types of guys? And is that very much just like a, we're going to see which of the two of them is better and keep and, one around. And then the last team that I had on my list that I, I, I'm actually a little surprised that you did not have this team as part of your top five. Because if, if you were to have your own podcast, Maxwell, I can see you calling it something. You know, like Kevin Wilds has the like Kevin Wilds Weird and Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, first things first. Like I could see Maxwell's Weird and Wonderful podcast just working <laughs> out successfully because of the draft sicker that you are. The Memphis Grizzlies yeah. are, on, are on my list. Top five. What what does Kennedy Chandler and Jake Moravia look like? Can they develop a little bit of uh, some interesting pick and pop chemistry? They got Vince Williams Jr. on this roster. EJ Onu and Kive Aluma are going to be coming along for some fun. Mm -hmm. We got a Xavier Tillman sighting somehow on this summer league roster. And then, listen, man, I, I'm I'm all for very interesting um, second round draft picks slash undrafted signings of guys with maybe some weird bodies who you don't understand how they <laughs> quite fit in the league. They got David Roddy. With that 23rd pick in the first round that I still mm -hmm. don't understand. And they got Kenneth Lofton Jr. Yep. Same freaking roster. Like, I, I don't know what to make of this group, but I'm, I am fascinated to see if all of these guys can hit for the same summer league team. I am too. And like, 
you got former former Sixer two way player Dakota Mathias <laughs> on the roster too. Still one of our guys. We still got to yep. root for him. Uh, yeah, really really fun team. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, some real prospects who like could potentially make noise right away. I know Memphis is super deep, but like there is a world where Laravia is playing. There is a world yep. where Kennedy Chandler is getting minutes. Like there are guys on the squad who could could see time right away. And like Zaire Williams, another guy who I think will play like one game and then leave but i it would be really interesting to see if he could just like have a mind-blowing game and just go out and beat the break 32 point game and then he's just yeah then, then he's just enjoying some cocktails that's mm-hmm. somewhere somewhere in in, in in the summer league setting um all right so that that's my top five we went through your top five i have some honorable mentions written down like i said thunder and spurs were in my honorable mentions Orlando Magic, obviously, we're going to want to mm-hmm. see what Paolo Bencaro looks like as the number one overall pick in the Summer League setting. Can he be the offensive engine in Summer League that we think the Orlando Magic are drafting him to be in the NBA regular season? Do you think he's going to show that much stuff in Summer League, Maxwell? I think he will. I think in Summer League, he's going to look really good. Like I, I just think his scoring package is so polished and ready. And it, like when defense isn't is something that's his focused on. I think people are going to come out of summer league and be like, of course, Paul was the number one pick. Like, I think that's going to be the, the consensus around him. And then New York Knicks, I wrote down because they got, they got John Montero running point for them in summer league. They drafted Trevor Keels. You still got McBride, Grimes, Sims coming in for some fun. Quinton Rose, shout out Temple University. He's going to get some run for them. And then MJ Walker is also a really fun um, wing addition for the Knicks summer league team. I wrote down the Clippers because okay. I think Brandon Boston and Jason Preston going into year two. I think that's a fascinating duo to monitor. Mm-hmm. I love the Musa Diabate draft pick for them. And my, Michael DeVoe, Michael DeVoe. I think Michael DeVoe is, is going to have some fun on that summer league Clippers team. I think he could be somebody who it would be really interesting to see a little bit of a uh, camp competition if he's able to stay with the organization between him and Preston, the push Preston heading into year two, I, I think DeVoe's gonna gonna get a lot of buckets in, in in summer league. So I wrote I wrote the Clippers down, mm-hmm. the Indiana Pacers we can't forget about with Ben. The Pacers Matherin. are a fun one. Yeah. Yes. Go 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 through why the Pacers are a fun one. So the Pacers were an honorable mention for me too. Um Kendall Brown, like another guy who's just kind of made for that environment. Yeah. Uh, but then like just some like fun, odd guys, like Fanbo Zang, like if he shoots could be really interesting. Um, Terry Taylor, who was the guy that like everybody just missed last year, even though Terry Taylor productive. and Dwayne Washington coming in for some. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. It, yeah. Washington, another guy who like just earned a contract and then Nate Hinton, a dude who I loved coming out is like just this rebounding tough guard uh, on a two way for them. Really hoping he makes it at some point. And then Tevin Brown, who was one of my guys, yeah, uh, just an awesome, awesome shooter who can bring some defensive impact as well. Uh, Jermaine Samuels, who like I loved going to the year and then kind of fell out of love with. I I uh, wrote that name down. I specifically wrote, "What does Jermaine Samuels look like in summer league?" Because Maxwell, he he probably would have been drafted if he didn't shoot the ball like crap this past year. That's the probably thing. It's like been drafted. It it really seems like he just had the yips this past season. And like if he is a guy who can shoot the ball like thirty seven percent, like he did the year before this, like he is one hundred percent an NBA player. Like if, if he is capable of doing that on a consistent basis, he will stick around the league. Um, so if he can just like regain that confidence a little bit, I, I, I would be thrilled because he, I was so high on him coming into this season. 
uh, and, and was kind of let down by him, but I, I would love to see that, but just, yeah, like that's an interesting story. Nate Hinton is just a blast. Tevin Brown, Kendall Brown, like there's just so many fun players on that team. And then, and then obviously the headliners, Benedict Matherin and, and Andrew Nembhard would be the headliners and, of that Pacers squad. And that's like the thing too, is like Nembhard lit up the combine. Yep. It's like, this is a dude with a world of momentum behind him who in a disorganized environment knows how to play an organized game and take advantage of the fact that everybody else is, is scrambling. Um, and then and he's going to have, at least early on, he's going to have Isaiah Jackson there to, to run kind of screen and roll and pick and pop with him. And like, that is going to be a thing of beauty. Yeah. Chris, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, we could possibly mm-hmm. see minutes for That's I, I mean, I can't, I, I'd be, I'd be shocked if Duarte played more than one game. I'd be shocked if Isaiah Jackson played more than two games. But yes, very, very early action from some returnees. So that pay, that Pacers, the whole unit um, is really fascinating to me. And then last but not least, the Philadelphia 76ers have yeah. to be honorable mentions. I didn't put them in the top five because I didn't want to be a homer. But I did the same thing. I really considered it. They're, they're going to be on the list because they're freaking roster, man. Jane Springer, Paul Reed, Charles Bassey, Isaiah Joe, we get to continue watching their development. Michael Foster, Julian Champagny, Aminu Muhammad, as we mentioned, they're bringing over Petrushev um, yeah. for, for summer league. Trevlin Queen's going to get his first run as a 76er. Charlie Brown's going to be there. Tyler Bay is an interesting guy who's going to be there. And Cassius Winston, who I, I did like mm-hmm. Cassius Winston um, a few years ago. He's going to be too. with that team and probably uh, with the Delaware Bluecoats this year. So what, what do you think about the 76ers uh, summer league roster, Max? Do you think, you think we can, uh, we can get a little summer league title? I, I think it's possible. I mean, like if, if Springer makes the leap in, in a way that I am hoping slash anticipating, it's possible. Paul Reed loves to destroy non-NBA competition. <laughs> Why do I feel so, like Paul Reed's still going to play almost every game for them, even though he's like, he's far beyond the summer. League. Yeah. He shouldn't be here. I feel like, I feel like he, he won't be here long. Uh, and I feel like Isaiah Joe might not too, but Isaiah Joe is like another guy. I want him to prove it so bad. Like I just want yeah. him to come in here and hit 93s in four stocks hand to give him minutes. Uh, but yeah, just like some really interesting margins guys too. Like Tyler Bay is a guy that was just given up on really early. And there's a chance that like, there might still be something there. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, like the two way guys are interesting. Uh, I, I'm still pulling for Grant Riller, who's just had like some bad injury luck and things like that. But the James Springer leap is going to be a very, very interesting thing to monitor because I, I was very high on him coming out. Um, but like, it does get precarious from him for him if he does not get minutes this year. Like, I, want, I, don't, I would imagine I want the James Springer option, breakout but, so bad, man. Yeah, I I really want to see it. Um, so I'm I'm just hoping that with this kind of talent around him, he's going to have shooters. He's going to have some reliable bigs to roll. He's, he's going to have a stretch five and Petrosev. like this. It's, it's tailor made for him. Like I'm, I'm really hoping that this works. Any other summer league call outs that we didn't mention that are, that are you like, you, you gotta get it out on this podcast before action tips off in Vegas on Thursday. Um, Just the last one I want to throw out just from like a, a fun standpoint is the Hornets. Like this roster is a mess. I'm not sure how it comes together at all. Um, is Leandro Ball just going to play every single summer? I think he's going Hornets? to. Like, is I don't just think it's going to happen. I don't know that there's like an actual like quality point guard on this roster. Like Tyshawn Alexander, it's great to see him again. I still believe. Yep. 
but then just like a mishmash of like crazy athletes and defenders like Mark Williams, Isaiah Whaley, JT Thor being on there. Bryce McGowan's is going to get buckets, but like Scotty Lewis, Kai Jones, like just the amount of like insane athletes on this roster and like guys who can get up and down the floor and run. It's going to be really fun. I wish they had like one point guard that I could feel really good about to tie this together. Like if Andrew Nemhard was on this summer league roster, it would have absolutely been in my top five, but the lack of reliable point guard play really has me think like this might just be very ugly. So, so the Charlotte Hornets team could have the most viral highlights that come yes. from Vegas. And they could also have some of the worst games played in Vegas. So that is exactly why they did not even make my honorable mentions. It's not, not that I, not that I dislike who's on the roster. I just, I don't know if I'm walking into a gym the few days I'm going to be out there, Maxwell, and I'm going to be like, I'm doing a fist pump. Like, yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the Charlotte Hornets today. Like, let's go. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I'm going to be doing one of those, but. Oh man. (laughs) Oh man. Well, that's, that's going to do it. For this episode of the podcast, Maxwell, I'm I'm glad that I had you here. We had to get the summer league takes out. We had to have some conversations about some guys that I needed your help on for to, to give my audience some evaluations here. Just thank you again for taking all the time that you do, everything you do for No Ceilings, coming on this podcast, however many times you do. Um, I really appreciate you being here. You're, you're not my best, best friend. I'm not going to marry you. <laughs> but, you, you, you are truly one of my favorite people in this space. Even before you joined No Ceilings, I, I told you that on this podcast feed. So you are, you are always welcome to be here to, to talk hoops. Make sure my audience knows where they can find you and everything you do. Hey, first off, I, I really appreciate that. You've always been super supportive of my work. And I, I always really appreciated that about you. And uh, yeah, I, I love coming on the show. It's an automatic listen for me. So I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot. I can't listen to myself on a podcast. So I'm, I'm giving myself something I can't listen to. Uh, so that's, that's a little hard. Take, take one but... download off the numbers automatically yeah. whenever I have you on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. Uh, so you can follow me. All my work is at no ceilings uh, at no ceilings NBA on Twitter, no ceilings NBA.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at bound boards. It's B a U M boards. Uh, so you can kind of follow me there. You'll get some stuff on the day to day. Anything I write, I'm going to share it there. So keep an eye out for that. And Nathan, I just hope that, you know, a year from now, I'm coming back. We're doing the summer league preview and, and you tell the world that I am now your best friend and your wife is now your second best friend. And that that also does not cause any problems for you. Uh, but that's that's my goal for the next year. She does not listen to every episode of this podcast. <laughs> so that could possibly be a, a insight goal for you, buddy. We, we might be All right. able to make that happen. That's, yeah, that's my goal for the next draft cycle. It's not, it's not getting better at evaluating players or, uh, or, yeah, or anything like that. Oh boy. But one, one more thank yous in order for the audience who does listen to this podcast frequently. I'm, I'm very thankful of all the support that I, um, got when I put that tweet out about my engagement, as well as everybody who will continue to listen to this podcast in the future. We, we grew so much over this past year. I, I had to take a little bit of a vacation, step away for a week. Um, to, to, to just kind of unpack and, and then ultimately come back to the game that I love. But thank you for all the support you showed me um, in that week. But future episodes of this podcast, listen, you know where you're going to find them. You got to subscribe to this feed. Make sure you subscribe to Draft Deeper wherever you get your podcast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Draft Deeper and following the No Ceilings Collective as a whole 
at No Ceilings MBA and subscribe to the Substack, NoCeilingsMBA.com. I promise we will have plenty of content coming throughout the summer. I want to do a lot more NBA type content. I want to look at how some of these prospects actually fit on their teams. I want to talk to people who are very much so ingrained with some of these teams that made some interesting lottery picks. I want to do a lot more NBA content on this feed heading into next year. I think it's going to be really fun to mix in some of that along with the, the eventual 2023 prospect talk, which it, it will come on this podcast feed. Don't worry. But over the summer, I'm sure everybody like Maxwell and, and Rucker and Corey and I, they're, they're going to dive in to all the 2023 stuff, myself included. They already did start doing that on our sub stack. So if you didn't catch those 2023 draft preview articles that we put up at the end of last week before the holiday, go on the sub stack, check those out. Fantastic writing. And actually, Max, so I got to do one more promotion, buddy, because by the time people are listening to this podcast, you're going to have a very special piece up on the no ceiling mm-hmm. Substack. Just to give a little bit of a teaser for that in case they hear this episode first. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, dropping, well, tomorrow, based on recording this. So it'll be up Tuesday the 5th, um, is my piece on why I write about the draft. Um, you had written one previously. Uh, we had a great one from, from Nick as well. And it was kind of my turn to, to follow suit. So I wrote a lot about it and it's, it's a pretty heavy piece. Uh, so kind of keep that in mind. I'm normally not like a heavy writer at all. Uh, so keep that in mind going in, but I just wrote about uh, kind of my life and, and basketball's place in it and why this side of basketball appeals to me so much uh, as, as far as like player evaluation and scouting and any young players. So uh, go check that out again. It's a pretty heavy read. Um, but it's something really personal. It's something that meant a lot to me and I'm, I'm excited to share it with everybody. I love it. I love it, man. I'm going to look forward to, to absolutely reading it. So everybody definitely go check that out. Check out this episode, make sure you're following us for all the summer league content that we're going to have coming out. We're going to be at summer league. I can't wait to get out to Vegas and see some of these guys in person and talk to people and make some more incredible content for all of you guys. But until then, thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.